old music that definitely wasn't just me playing it on YouTube to play a prank. That's what I. That's what I said. You couldn't hear me, but I was like, "Oh, we definitely can't afford that." When I started. Oh hearing no! I music. I heard that. I heard <laughs> oh, that. Okay. That was the only thing I heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then I remarked. I was like, "That's Pittsburgh's own rusted root." <laughs> they always sound like they should be from like Austin or something, but no, I'm I'm pretty sure a good deal of rusted root at least is from Pittsburgh. The the one rusted root song that people know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great one though. I love that song. Uh, it, that came up whenever we were playing. Um. Among Us last night, yeah, and someone was like, what classic children's movie was that in? Why do I know that so well? Yeah. And right off the top of my dome, I'm like, uh, Matilda. I watched that oh. probably every weekend whenever I was a kid. Interesting. I feel like I remember it from one, too, but I've never seen Matilda, so... I, I think it was, um, it's in Matilda, and you may know this one actually just because of the kids, um, but it was also in Ice Age. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, Ice Age I saw before I had kids, of course. Um, but I think I might have even seen Ice Age like in the theater. I think for some reason Sarah and I went to go see it. I have no idea why. It's really? okay. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I mean, hey, Grace and I's first date was the Lego movie. Yeah. So I'm not it's I'm, fine. I'm certainly not above going to see kids' movies in the theater, even before yeah. I had kids. But um, <laughs> it just seemed like a weird choice because I'm sure there was other good stuff out at the time. But who knows? <laughs> Well, hey, our our first date was either uh, the Lego movie or Fifty Shades of Grey, so <laughs> it uh, kind of set the tone for our uh, relationship then and now marriage. You mean you had a choice between the two, or? Uh, it, it was neither of us wanted to go see Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and we chose the Lego movie over making a very awkward first date even more <laughs> awkward. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been a big mistake. I feel like it's just seeing it in any context is a big mistake, but that would have been one of the <laughs> that would have been a pretty high ranking mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's not a first date movie. No, it's not a movie. Let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is a film. It is hard. Yeah, exactly. It is an art house film. Ted, thank you. It is a motion <laughs> picture of the highest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to bring up at the top of the show here, I guess kind of before we get really going, before I ask if we want to get going, I, I re-listened because it came up, I, I think we did it five months ago, maybe more, but I, I re-listened to our appearance on the Donut Bag podcast with Joseph oh, Bag yeah. of Donuts. Yeah. Joseph Bag O Donuts. <laughs> Bag O Donuts. I, I heard two things pop out that, that totally we forgot about as we moved through the previous season, season seven. First, he talked about how Jason Alexander had trashed Heidi Swedberg, and we both did not remember that conversation when we got to it and we found all that stuff out about <laughs> the, the invitations. Of course. You know, and how he had of done that recently. Of course, we didn't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's a, here's a good bit of not remembering. He spoiled Susan dying for you. Do you remember oh, that? seriously? Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't remember that at all. We must have covered it pretty well because he was like, yeah, so I guess that's why they killed her. And then he realized, like, oh, Ted, I'm sorry. I got – and then I was like, oh, man, Ted had it spoiled for him, like, <laughs> okay, two seasons earlier. Tell me if I said something on uh, Joseph Bag O Donuts podcast to the effect of I'm sure I'll forget it by the time we get to it. <laughs> you probably did. I don't remember for sure. <laughs> But A, we might have covered it. That would be incredible. It. That'd be we great. Might have, we might have covered it very well, because as I'm listening to it, if I hadn't seen anything, <laughs> I'd be like, well, now it sounds like they might have been joking, because he said it in a way that, like, now I know why they killed her. Oh, Ted, I'm sorry. Like a, uh, like a fake spoiler. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think we played it off pretty well. So maybe you were still kind of puzzled, like, 
I don't know. And then you didn't add, you know, you didn't commit any more brain power to it over the last uh, few months, which which would be understandable. That's my specialty, not committing brain power. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought that was interesting because you were so, still so shocked at the end of season seven. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. I liked that, uh, you know, I, I thought we were very, um, uh, I thought that, that episode about George that we did for Mr. Bag of Donuts was very good. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, go listen to the episode about nothing except George Costanza or something like that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put a link to it in the description of this show. Uh, which is, uh, I, I probably put a link to it whenever it came out, but now it's just going to be, uh, he, he's going to get like a spike in downloads for, for that episode specifically. You're like, yes. what, what's going on? This was six <laughs> months ago. Actually, it was probably longer than that. It was probably like nine months ago or something now. Yeah. I'm trying to see, let me see what the next podcast that I have is. And I can tell you how far behind I am. September 27th is the next podcast that I have up to listen Jesus. to when it came out yeah <laughs> i i don't i don't get how like at, at one point whenever i just have too many things to listen to i'll just say like okay that's not a priority i don't need to listen to this yeah oh i yeah totally i'll do that i'll, I'll get to like a Marin episode that i downloaded when i had like five podcasts in my queue and then i'll go you know what i, I don't really care about that guy i um i'm yeah. not gonna <laughs> i don't care <laughs> Although I will say uh, he had an episode on recently that I thought was great. For instance, I think David Duchovny was a recent one that I was like, eh, and not even that recent, but one from like months ago that I downloaded when I was like, yeah, I've always wanted to know about hmm. David Duchovny. And then I get to it and I'm like, nah, I don't care about David Duchovny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. He had Tim Allen on, which oh. was actually a pretty good episode. You heard me do the Tim Allen grunt just by, you know, involuntarily. <laughs> but no, I'm like, he's got a really interesting story about, like, all his coke arrests and stuff like that. Like, Yeah, and, and like, I he, he dives into, like, everyone thinks, like, he's, like, this huge political figure. He says, like, no, I hate everybody in politics. The thing I Ugh. hate most is taxes. <laughs> and I'm like, th that's what makes him, like... A conservative, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I wouldn't even say that I'm that far, like, right-leaning. I just hate taxes. I worked for my money. I don't want anyone taking it. Ugh. I, there's no more lukewarm take to me than both sides same oh, after yeah. the past five years. So anytime anyone says that, I'm like, oh, you, you, only, <laughs> you only say both sides are the same so that you can justify being on the wrong side. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> anytime anyone says that, I can guarantee yeah. I can, like, it's just only one type of person says that, and it's that type of person. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, also, <laughs> and the other thing they love to say is, oh, I'm just doing it because taxes are too high, and I like small government. It's like, no, that, okay, now I know now I know who you are, too. So exactly. you, don't, you don't do a show like Man of the People or whatever the, his garbage television show is called, and not, and because and, <laughs> if all of his jokes were about taxes, I would say that's true. But no, they're all about how people like you and me are snowflakes, Ted. So that's 99% yeah. of it, and then the 1% <laughs> to turn a phrase is that he wants to keep all his money. So that's such <laughs> bullshit. I can't wait to listen to that and get mad all over again. But that's going to be what's interesting. Like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, he's so diametrically opposed to everything Marin espouses every single week on the show like the, the first 20 minutes is like well uh, the world's going to hell because of this guy <laughs> oh my god and i gotta tell you it's, it's weird listening to that those episodes now 
like <laughs> post election, post everything, like in September. I'm like, oh, Mark, just wait, just wait. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I, yeah, I definitely that was a download, and that one I, I probably won't delete because I know Tim Allen's yeah. had a very interesting career. Th- that and uh, Conan had Shaq on his podcast recently, w- which was uh, pretty decent. Okay, I see. I skipped that one. I'm like, I know Shaq is funny, and Conan and Shaq is just gonna be hilarious. But I was like, I don't. Maybe I'll go re-download it and then evaluate in six months when I get it get to it. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing is I can listen to like one podcast a day. I have like basically a 20, 30 minute drive to work and a 20, 30 minute ride home. Yeah. Like I can kill most of a podcast in a day and I still just work at a snail's pace. Yeah. See, I mean, I, I listen to mine whenever I'm working out in the yard, whenever I'm cleaning, whenever yeah. I'm driving, whenever I'm Ubering, uh, whenever I'm playing video games. Yeah. There are certain times when I'm like, I'm just going to a restaurant down the street. I'm just going to pull up Spotify or something. But um yeah. You know, really, when I'm in, when I when I can listen for longer than I'll say ten minutes, then I'll pull up a, a, a podcast. But um, should we get going? Yeah, might as well. <laughs> All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Little Kicks, season eight, episode four. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Bizarro Jerry? First, uh, the episode opened last week with George directing Kramer to the best bathroom in the neighborhood they happened to be in at the time, which was the Brant Leland Investment Office. And I was like, I know we've seen him exhibit this knowledge of the best bathrooms in the city before. And we were both kind of like, well, yeah, have we seen that? Are we going to see it? And uh, it happened in season two, episode 12. So that's one reason probably we didn't have a uh, you know a knowledge of it ready to be pulled out of our libraries. But here's a conversation he and Jerry have as they're walking into his apartment in the busboy. Uh, Jerry says, anywhere in the city? And George goes, anywhere in the city. I'll tell you the bus- best public toilet. Okay, uh, 54th and 6th. Sperry Rand Building, 15- 14th floor. Morgan Apparel, mention my name. She'll give you the key. All right, 65th and 10th. Are you kidding? Lincoln Center, Alice Tully Hall, the Met. Magnificent facilities. Hmm. And then, yeah, the episode goes on. So it's sort of just one of those conversations that we come in at the end of and then just to get us into the scene. So, yeah, he has mentioned this before, and it's something they just brought back up five seasons later. Or cool. six seasons later. Yeah. I also wanted to know about Waffle Crisp because I missed it from my growing up in the 90s and eating cereal. And you said you thought you'd seen it around recently. Yeah. And Waffle Crisp is a breakfast cereal made by Post Foods, which contain maple syrup-flavored corn cereal bits in a waffle shape. First launched in 96. So it was a relatively new cereal by the time this episode aired it was discontinued in august of 2018 however the cereal was reintroduced in 2021 as a walmart exclusive due to popular mm-hmm. demand mm-hmm. there we go yeah so i have to i know i there's something that we can only get at walmart so i go like once or once or twice every you know two or three months um and i'm going to check the cereal aisle for waffle crisp even though i have never have any time to eat cereal i'm still going to get some you know what you can also get at walmart a box of uh drake's coffee cakes so make it a make it a two for one the big boys they don't make the big boys anymore if if they (laughs) even did at the time i'm assuming they did at the time yeah but you can only get the the normal sized ones now uh maybe i will maybe i will the, I read so it had a whole Wikipedia article, and I thought this was kind of funny. The and I remember the original Waffle Crisp mascots were a group of elderly women who cooked each individual piece as if it were an actual miniature-sized waffle. <laughs> and kids used to try to like break. I like that it was so ambiguous. They were like kids tried to break in, and they're not sure why. In the Wikipedia article, like either to steal the recipe or 
steal a box of waffle crisps. It's never really, <laughs> it's never really why they're breaking into the granny's facility. We don't know. Um, but this is funny too. The, w- the mascot after that was an anthropomorphic waffle r- with red tennis shoes dubbed Waffle Boy. And he defends the cereal against a cartoon villain known as Professor Burnt Toast. Oh, good lord. <laughs> and Postopia.com created a Waffle Boy themed video game called Waffle Boy's Extreme Bike Mountain Adventure. Why it wasn't Mountain Bike Adventure, I don't know, but this is listed as Waffle Boy's Extreme Bike Mountain Adventure. Maybe that's the name of the mountain. Yeah, Bike Mountain, sure. Yeah, I love I love to go hike on Bike Mountain. Don't, the way, don't you don't you like riding your bike there? Oh God, no. Oh no, no. I go biking on Hike Mountain. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, what? I, I like that. I I hope a central piece of Professor Burnt Toast's character was that he's constantly having strokes. Because isn't that? Don't you smell burnt toast when you're having a stroke or a heart attack or something? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god i really hope that waffle like waffle boy like uh you know comes into his secret lair and like spooks him and then all of a sudden it's like wait ah! do, you, do you smell me <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of superheroes how why in the world did the episode end with kevin saying me so happy me want to cry well the superman fandom wiki about uh this episode in particular says this is bizarro language i think as you suspected ted mm, okay good yeah. good there uh, the bizarro's intelligence seems to be lower than the norm for humans due to a somewhat disjointed continuity in the comic books several versions of bizarro superman have appeared in dc all of them in versions of superman with gray or chalk white skin a twisted sense of logic which typically manifests itself as a superficial opposite of anything seinfeld would do or say and a resultant speech pattern so me am going to kill you would mean I will save you in Bizarro speech. Okay. I, I know, like, I can't remember if you pointed this out, um, but, like, Bizarro Superman having the poor grasp of grammar. Yeah. Obviously, because Clark Kent is a journalist. Right. Yeah, yeah. The bizarre, So I, I like the word inversion, too, because inversion means something just a little bit different than opposite. I liked that Elaine was nitpicking what they consider the opposite of stuff. Like, what, well, does he live underwater? No. <laughs> you know, it's like, so um, the Bizarro's homeworld, though, is called the planet Hatri, which is Earth spelled backwards. H-T, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it is, guess what, guess what shape it is, Ted? It's a square, isn't it? Yeah, it's a cube. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And it's a crime to do anything good on Hatray, which is crazy because, like, how could you be doing bad constantly? Like, if you're just not doing anything, maybe that's just um, passive enough to, you know, you can't do anything actively good. You know, if you're just if you're not if you're just not doing evil, that's not necessarily good. You know, I get I guess like it's not like (laughs) sitting on your couch doing nothing is inherently good because you're not like. I don't know, chain smoking a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. But if I see somebody outside doing something good and I don't stop it, well, that's in, ina- you know, that's evil by inaction. And so, I guess so, yeah. I have to go stop them from doing good or else I'm an accomplice. <laughs> uh, in, on Hatray. On Hatray, <laughs> yes. Uh, on a uh, cube shaped Hatray. 
cube shaped. But that's what I just love. They're like, all right, what's the opposite of a circle? It's a cube, of course. Let's make it cube shaped. So I loved what what they consider the opposite of stuff when writing Super Bizarro Superman and how far to go with it. You know? <laughs> I, okay, wait. What uh, what would be the Hetre version of Flat Earthers? Oh, oh man, yeah, because they're, the cube is a three D shape. So if you're a what's <laughs> the the, the, the Earth of, is a rhombus. Yeah, or maybe they maybe people on Hetre think the Earth is a is a sphere. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> the Earth is a pyramid. Yeah, yeah, the Earth is a pyramid. We wanted to do an actor dive on the Bizarro characters, and so let's start with Kevin, who was played by Tim Decay, best known for starring in the USA series White Collar for mm. basically its entire run, 09 to twenty fourteen, yeah. Uh, which I never watched, but I know it was very popular. Uh, his first in- on-screen acting job was as Corporation Head Larry Dion on Sequest. Back then it was called Sequest DSV, and I think then they changed the title to Sequest 2032. Do you remember this show? I do not. It's kind of, it's basically, I think, what they were making fun of, well, when they released the parody of C-Lab. I think it was kind of, you know, C-Lab was its own cartoon back in the day, but then when they released the C-Lab Adult Swim show, I think it was kind of poking fun at this, like, underwater uh scientific experiment that they were doing jonathan brandis was on sequest i remember that he was like a heartthrob at the time and um yeah it was okay he was also on he's also one of these guys that's been on one or two episodes of everything friends diagnosis murder sports night ali mcbeal murder she wrote my name is earl uh he was uh, he had a long stint on party of five for two years he was on carnival for two years on hbo and he is a member of the actor's studio just like mickey from from the Hmm. show seinfeld yeah Uh, the character mickey i'm not sure if danny what's his name is a member of the actor's studio but um danny wood danny woodburn is that right oh my gosh does that sound mm, right maybe i don't <laughs> know uh gene was played by kyle t hefner who's also been in he was in when harry met sally golden girls who's the boss murphy brown suddenly susan he did do an episode of curb your enthusiasm desperate housewives so this guy's been on everything and feldman I feel you you were like I feel like we've seen maybe Gene and Feldman before. Ted, when you find out, I, I guarantee I know you where where I guarantee I know where you know Feldman from. <laughs> his name is Pat Kilbane, and he is best known for his three seasons on Mad TV. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wow. Kil- Kilbane was known for many popular characters, such as the frequently appearing Stan McNurr, a coffee addict with bulging eyes. Hmm. I gotta look this guy up now. Pat Others Kilbane? Pat Kilbane, yeah. Others include Nick Bendix, actor of Rocket Revengers, and the sheriff's deputy, the son of Dolomite. And Oh my god, yeah, okay. I didn't notice him uh <laughs> his uh his hair's darker normally, but uh, man, the high top should have been a dead giveaway for me. Oh, that's like his actual hair? I thought that was just their their version of Kramer hair for him. I mean, like, it looks like he's there's a couple photos of him. It looks like these are uh, there's a couple that are from the early 2000s. He's got like long swoopy hair. Ah. Um, but yeah, like the high and tight uh, looks like his hair in the 90s. I liked Feldman's hair because it was the opposite of Kramer's hair while being, you know, it's straight. Like Kramer's hair is kind of wild and straight and uh, I mean wild and curly and Feldman's is straight and very neatly put straight up. You know, I, I did like that little detail. And he also became the second cast member to portray the Spee Shack salesman. And he also did a bunch of impressions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Al Gore, I think, maybe. So, yeah. That had to have been. I didn't notice any. I, maybe I didn't look hard enough. I didn't notice any Disney uh, Channel original movies that they were in. But I'm sure these guys must have some. But I guess they well, just looked <laughs> through the cracks this time. 
Well, I am looking at Pat Kilbane's filmography right now, and yeah. uh, we've got winners such as Meet Dave, the Eddie Murphy oh. movie from 2008. <laughs> yeah. Um, Evolution from 2001. Oh. Uh, the 2006 hit National Lampoon's Pucked. Oh, God. <laughs> um, Day of the Dead from 2008. Semi-Pro from 2008 with Will Ferrell, uh. probably the biggest movie of all of these. Uh, and Eurotrip. From 2004, oh, yeah. the the sequel to Road Trip, I think it was. I don't know. It wasn't the same characters, though, was it? I think it was a different flick, but maybe from the same people. Maybe it was uh, the same characters. Now I don't remember. I don't know. Actually, I, I have know no I idea. Saw both. I, I I I think literally diving too much into it. Oh my god, Euro Trip, written by Alec Berg. Whoa. Yeah, so I guess Road Trip and Euro Trip. I mean, they're sold in a yeah. There, it is a sequel. I don't know why I never, why I never. Man, put that what happened there. to the American sex comedy? <laughs> it came true. <laughs> I, I just always like answering that question with the quote from uh, Watchmen. <laughs> You're looking at it. So wait, is it a sequel to? Now I can't tell because they're sold in a like an Amazon box set. Yeah. The Road Trip Unrated Trilogy, Road Trip, uh, Euro Trip, and I then I guess there's a Road Trip 2. I just read that and thought it said uh, Euro Trip The Unwanted Edition or something. I'm like, oh god, that, that about sums it up. The, okay, so the, the, the sequel sequel is called Road Trip Beer Pong for some reason. Jesus Christ. Is Euro <laughs> Trip a sequel to Road Trip? Um, is there a movie similar to Euro Trip but about America? <laughs> Okay, Ten things you may not know about Eurotrip. Is one of them that... It's worth watching? <laughs> Road trip. Doesn't the, seem like... <laughs> the only uh, excerpt from this article, Ten things you may not know about Eurotrip, is parentheses, to make matters worse, and Frank's only living relative was part of the tour group. <laughs> what, a, what an excerpt to jump in on. <laughs> I'm thinking it's not because I'm looking at these people like DJ Qualls and Amy Smart and Sean William Scott. Man. Paul Costanzo. Like, That's none an of early people... 2000s cast. Holy yeah. hell. None of these people are in Eurotrip that I can tell. And Michelle Tom Green, too. Oh, yeah. Well, Tom Green's the narrator. He's the oh. one giving the tour of the college, I remember. And he, like, I think he puts a, mou- a mouse in his mouth in that movie, like a live mouse, I remember. <laughs> yeah, none of these people. I'm going to say Eurotrip is not a sequel, but just a, a spiritual sequel. You know, huh. just like another movie about a trip. Hey, if you had to guess who the first two people that Google recommends people also search for, whenever you look up DJ Qualls is, who would you say they are? Oh, man. I know he was in like, um, is one of them uh, Timothy Oliphant? Nope. Okay, because I thought he was on Justified or something weird like that. Um, I'll say just Jason Biggs and um, Chris Klein. Stanley Tucci and Lauren Lapkus. Okay. He does look a little like Lauren Lapkus, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) If they were related, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) There's there's actually a clip from Conan. Lauren Lapkus gets mistaken for DJ Qualls. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Holy fuck. (laughs) All right. I got to put that on the watch list. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm probably gonna cut a lot of this out because yeah, this has sure. nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Uh, Bizarro George's <laughs> name is Gene. Larry David, the inspiration behind the character George, his middle name is Gene. Whoa. Just a Whoa. weird. Yeah. 
I'm sure they did that on purpose, but, um, you know, how are you supposed to know? Uh, David Mandel worked on Saturday Night Live the week Bob Saget was hosting, and Mandel looked like one of Bob Saget's friends and kept calling him Feldman instead of Mandel repeatedly. When Mandel was struggling to come up with a name for Bizarro Kramer, he remembered this incident and used the nickname Feldman. Uh, Mandel wrote the episode after his then-girlfriend Rebecca ended their long-distance relationship. They're now husband and wife, actually, but she was always self-conscious, and maybe still is, uh, about what she calls her farm hands. So it was a something she was self-conscious about herself, but he took it while they were broken up, which is hilarious. And was like, oh, I'm going to write your man hands into this episode. But they got oh. married anyway, so. <laughs> God. Uh, I mean, hey, they if they got married, if if they're happy, so what? So be it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so whose hands are the man hands is a point of a little contention on the internet. It's, you're either going to find that it's a random unnamed crew member that they used or the hands of James Record, uh, just someone Jerry Seinfeld knew from acting classes at the James Best Theater Center. Uh, and so that that could be a name or it could just be a random crew member. I really don't know. <laughs> I was really hoping it would be a modern-day A-list actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, let me see. Oh, the episode's Kramer story was inspired how Mandel often assisted customers at Tower Records who mistakenly thought he worked there. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, like accidentally wearing a blue polo or a red polo to Target or, or oh my Best God. Buy or Target, respectively. Yeah. <sighs> like, oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Have you ever, like, accidentally worn one and, like, you step in the door and, like, <laughs> unzip your jacket and you're like, oh, no, oh, I'm wearing I... khakis and a red shirt? I don't <laughs> – I probably have, like, because during the summer I wear a lot of blue and maybe I would be wearing a blue polo. But I'd also be in shorts, so I don't know if that's part of the dress code. But it's enough that people see a blue polo and don't look down and probably would go, hey. <laughs> but no nothing specifically. But, yeah, I'm sure it's happened. An acquaintance of Mandel's was so ashamed of how physically unattractive the woman who dumped him was, when talking about her, he would show a photo of a different woman inspiring the George story. Oh, God. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> and this episode contains the 300th entrance of Kramer. Wow. Yep. All right. Yep. And that's all I got for what's the deal. Okay, do we got any, like, uh, trivia or tidbits or anything? Uh, no, pretty much covered everything I could there, too. I do have some news. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you saw this news as well, and I'm kind of, uh, well, I hate Funko Pops, but every so often they do something uh, that I'm yes. like, yeah, so we tweeted this from At No Hugging, but available on June 1, uh, Funko is coming out with a whole line of Seinfeld stuff, uh, especially their world-famous pop figures. Uh, as well as T-shirts, backpacks, wallets, glassware, a new Funko game. Uh, wow. Let me see. Yeah, it's called the, the Party Game About Nothing, a cooperative trivia charades game to prove how well you remember iconic moments from the hit show. Includes questions from all 180 episodes and includes a last-minute fishing competition for a piece of uh, for a loaf of marble rye, like a little little plastic loaf of wow. marble rye. Yeah, we have yeah. to get this right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. We have to get this, and we have to play it on on the show, I think. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. Yeah, so all of the pop... I mean, they're making a ton of pops. You got Puffy Shirt Jerry. You got Jerry doing stand-up. You got Jerry holding the Tweety Bird Pez. That's a Walmart exclusive. Wow. You got Kramer. You got Underwear Kramer. That's an Amazon exclusive. Uh, George... You have Elaine in her famous floral print dress with white socks and Mary Janes. Then there's Urban Sombrero Elaine. Uh, there's Newman... There's the Soup Nazi, 
There's a Soup Nazi variant that comes with a T-shirt from Walmart. And Target will have what looks like – it looks like softball Jerry. It looks like him in his like softball raglan and his jeans uh, from the Bette Midler episode. There's Purple George with a teacup and a pyramid on his head uh, from that episode. Wow. Oh, my and, God. That's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. A very early season, um, yeah. George. Uh, and then Cr- the oh, the Kramer portrait pop as well. So the the picture that is painted of Kramer. Um, and the pops go for, you know, like 9 to 11 bucks oh, depending yeah. on where you're getting them. But oh, here's man. what. So I hate pops, and I probably won't get any of those. But Funko is also has six Seinfeld mini moments that are going to go for like 7 to 9 bucks each that each come with a piece of Jerry's apartment. So you can collect all of these and then put the apartment together and have the whole thing from his computer to his kitchen and they come with jerry george kramer elaine newman and uncle leo <laughs> wow the yeah, only know. appearance of uncle leo in the line yeah is if you want to uh collect the pieces of his apartment oh my god yeah and these i mean they look just as dumb as the pops but i'm like just to have uh, a scale replica of the apartment would be worth <laughs> buying this whole set and so guess what i've already pre-ordered the jerry one because it's the only one i could yeah it's the only one i could find on uh on amazon i was like um yeah i i couldn't find any of the other ones that are either selling out or something and so yeah yeah. a lot of those are going to be worth probably a lot of money because i i can't guarantee like george with the pyramid on his head is going to be like a wide release (laughs) yeah Um, yeah oh i'm trying to think i only have one pop vinyl it's of uh homer simpson wearing a muumuu and yeah. it's it's on my it's on my shelf right behind me, but I, I might get one, maybe two of these. I don't know. I have two. I have um the I have Tom Servo and Crow for Mystery Science Theater because they actually have they're they're not human, so they don't look like the other pops. Like Crow actually has a mouth. Like they couldn't make it, so okay. he didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they could only make them so stylized doing those the the way their bodies are. So I was like, oh, these <laughs> actually look like the robots. So I will buy these. And so it, um, in the yeah. in the box or out of the box. Oh, they're out the box. Out the okay. box. Yeah. Uh, it was one of the last things I bought before I left Erie. I bought it at the Erie Comic Con down there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like right before I was about to be unemployed for like a month at least, <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend uh, whatever it was, 40 bucks on this. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then Funko uh, Seinfeld Loungefly has Amazon, Walmart, and Target exclusives that include all those T-shirts, hats, keychains, glasses, pins, wallets, bags. I mean, every, they're putting it on everything. So, Jeez. yeah, yeah. We don't get many Seinfeld licensed things, but um, yeah, we're getting we're getting this June first. Yeah, that's uh, that's big. That's a that's a yeah. really big merch drop. Oh yeah, huge. And that's pretty much it for news as far as I got. All right. Uh, I know we do have something in Newman's mail sack. I will get to that at the end of the show since uh, front of the show is pretty pretty loaded <laughs> up already. But uh, Damn, if, you ha- <laughs> if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, I'm not even going to look at the time because I'm afraid of what it says. <laughs> I think it's like the, the last 40 minutes or something prior to <laughs> – Prior to all the cuts I need to make. <laughs> um, we like to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I have never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order. Forgot to say that last week. 
after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, and we will send you a No Hugging, No Learning holographic sticker free of charge. We just need your mailing address. And uh, we have those original uh, No Hugging, No Learning stickers um, in stock while supplies last. And Tim, we have got the new stickers in stock for our new show that will be coming at the end of Seinfeld. Wow, exciting. Should we we announce it or should we just like keep it a surprise until then? I I kind of want to keep it a surprise. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, totally. Okay. Okay, yeah. but yeah, if you want one of those uh, those new stickers, only way to do that is to give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. I, I'm not going to send these out all willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, got a uh, nice sticker mule promo. They gave me $69 off of my $69 order. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so (laughs) this week we are talking about Season 8, Episode 4, The Little Kicks. Original air date, October 10th, 1996. I was three years, nine months, and 20 days old. And Tim, if you are counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have got 41 episodes until we become a (laughs) mid-2000s American sex comedy podcast. Oh, yes. I think I would, could really I would listen to this. I would love this show, honestly. I was going to say, yeah. You know, they, they say, like, you have to make a show that you would want to listen to or, yeah. or make a show you would want to watch. I would listen to every episode of that. Like, yeah. talking about, like, Road Trip and, and Euro Trip, all the National Lampoons. Talk about uh, Sex Drive with Clark Sex Duke Drive, and, yes. uh, and Seth Green. Oh, my God. I was trying to remember what that was called. You were like road trip, Euro trip, and I was like, oh yeah, and sex trip. <laughs> sex trip. I wanted to call it sex trip. <laughs> well, I, I feel like you and I could very easily pen a script uh, that is like the revival of the <laughs> mid 2000s American sex comedy and just give it like the worst name. Like, just call it, yeah, it's uh, Sex Truck. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a result of like I made an AI robot watch all of the '90s to 2000s American sex comedies, and this is what, and then made it write a script or whatever. It's called Sex Truck. Uh, but yeah, that uh, I would listen to that. I would listen yeah, to that for yeah, sure. Totally. Uh, okay, so if you're looking at TV Guy the night of October 10th, 1996, you are going to see Kramer's friend forces Jerry. To perform an illegal activity. Uh, I don't know about this. We'll just have to see if we can make it better at the end. Um, we open with another one of these cold opens that have replaced the stand-up. And Jerry and Kramer are walking past, by the way, the Froyo shop and stationers. Answering a question that I don't even remember why I asked or we asked way back in the day. But I always wanted to know, is stationers next to the Froyo place? Because I guess they are in the frozen yogurt and the big salad episode, and this answers the question finally. So I can finally delete that from my notes. Or maybe I'll just say, yeah, I'll just write yes next to it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Season 8, episode 4. Just just yeah. finally uh, uh, satisfy that item in your notes. Like, Y-E-S. Yeah. 
Don't remember why, but there we are. Uh, and they're talking about whether it's better to walk on the inside or the outside of the sidewalk, whether, which is more dangerous. Uh, Kramer says if you walk on the outside, a cab could jump a curb and you're done. But Jerry says, well, if you walk on the inside, air conditioners fall out of windows all the time. And as evidence, that happened already in the Seinfeld universe and the glasses Season 5, Episode 3. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I forget who it lands on. Like a, a dog or a... Does it land on a dog? I think it Why lands do on a dog. It... Yeah, because like there's just like the phantom... Yeah. It, does it land on Farfel? Is that Farfel? Or No, that's from... No, that's the episode called The Dog, right? Yeah. I yeah. I think we're I... combining two episodes. Yeah. I should have looked up who the AC fell on, but I didn't. But it has happened before. And... Uh, Kramer says that you know he wouldn't want to take one in the head like he did in 79 and Jerry asks you were living in the village then right and Kramer can't remember <laughs> so a little backstory on why Kramer works the way he does there we open in Monks in the episode proper and Elaine just got her nails done toxic waste green is that what she said toxic waste yeah green. yeah <laughs> for a party that she's throwing for the employees at Jay Peterman uh, and George here's at the party, and I loved this exchange. Like food, she goes, yeah. Bar, yeah. George, <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want to invite George because I don't want you interfering. And George says, interfering I- with what? Yeah, like <laughs> that's what George says. How could I possibly interfere? And then Jerry says, isn't that what Jack Ruby said? Which is a weird, just non sequitur, like uh, JFK joke. I don't know. It, it seemed like Jerry just wanted to like. I- I've got to say something funny here. You know, I got to be a part of this conversation. <laughs> Jack Ruby. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. I guess he might have, Jerry. Very good. Very good one. <laughs> good, good reference, Jerry. You yeah. are the comedian. I mean, I can definitely see Elaine. Elaine's point that George, you know, as she says throughout the episode, he is like a virus. Like everything he touches <laughs> does t- kind of turn to shit sometimes. You know, uh, you remember the scene in the room where Tommy Wiseau goes in to buy the flowers? <laughs> yes. And the, the floor is like, you're my favorite customer. Yeah. Uh, uh, th- this is Elaine just saying, you're a great comedian. Yeah. You're a great <laughs> comedian. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, Jerry. I didn't see you there. You're my favorite comedian. <laughs> hi-, hi, Georgie. <laughs> We cut to the Puck Building, which is uh, an historic building at... It's got a weird address, and you can see it on the doors in this front entrance here. It's at 307-295 Lafayette Street. I guess it just takes up the whole block, and they're like, well, we've got to give you every single address, so... It it, it not only (laughs) takes up the entire block, it blocks out a street. (laughs) Yeah. You're at 295-2307 Lafayette Street. Uh, It's an historic building. And uh, it is in Nolita, which is the neighborhood. They call it Nolita because it is north of Little Italy. That's what it's short for. Uh, okay. I know. I, uh, I was, I was like North Long Island. Yes. Something? Okay. I love, and I forget what it was. Um, I love the way that they name those neighborhoods, and I love the way that maybe Tina Fey wasn't making fun of it, and maybe it's real, and it just sounds stupid to people who don't live in New York City. But in Baby Mama. When she goes to that neighborhood, and she was like, "What is this neighborhood called?" And it's called like No Weewawo or something like that. It's like north <laughs> of Weehawken at Wombat Street. You know, it's like all this weird stuff, and it, and it comes up with like a really dumb name. It was finished in 1893, and what you see in this exterior shot is one of two gilded statues of the Shakespeare character Puck, which I guess is why they call it the Puck Building. Well, one of them you see over this main entrance, which is on Lafayette, and it's owned by Ted Kushner yes. Properties. No, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And uh, yes, it is Kushner Properties of the famous New York Kushners. 
The current tenants of the Puck Building include Wagner Graduate School of Public Service and the Department of Sociology. Uh, it has a 35,000-square-foot REI store. So if you need anything outdoorsy in New York, head there. You're, if you don't find it there, they don't make it. Um, and it, it contains the Kushner's venture capital firm Thrive. Uh, they also have offices there. And there's two ballrooms. One is the Skylight. That's what we're looking at here, I'm guessing, because... Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's a TV set, but the skylight can hold 250 people. The grand ballroom can hold 1,000 people. Mm. So there's a little bit about the puck building uh, owned by, once again, Jared Kushner and his father. Um, and George is there scarfing down hors d'oeuvres, as he does anytime they're available. And he tries hitting on this woman, Anna, who kind of bolts when he mentions that he's a friend of Elaine. And Elaine gets up and gives a toast. And then tries to get the dance floor going, but she is awful at dancing, causing George to exclaim, sweet, fancy Moses. Oh, my God. Uh, Again, one of the things I knew about Ah. Seinfeld going into um, this this show was, like, we've mentioned it before, ElaineDancing.gif. Yeah, yeah. So you knew this is one of the things you knew. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know anything surrounding it. I didn't know yeah. like what happened in the episode. <laughs> and I mean, I-, I think this is totally fine. This happens in the first minute and a half of yeah, the episode. Yeah. yeah, it didn't spoil anything, just like yada, 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 or no soup for you or whatever. But up in the apartment, Jerry got tickets for him and Kramer to a sneak preview of a new movie called Death Blow. And Kramer <laughs> gives what, it cannot be the tagline, when someone tries to blow you up, not because of who you are, but different reasons altogether. That can't be the tagline of a of even a fake movie. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> I need to see a fan made VHS cover of an action movie with Death Blow, and that is the tagline. I am sure. I'm. I know. What is that uh, account like? Champagne Video Store or something like that? They sell VHS uh, recreations of Seinfeld movies, so I'm sure they have a Death Blow oh, with what? that on there for you. Yeah, yeah. Is they make a Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always posting uh, cool stuff like behind the scenes stuff. Of course, named for the uh, video actual video store. Yeah, it's Champagne Video Store on Instagram. And they uh, make real VHS tapes of fake movies that you can buy on their website. But they also post a lot of cool Seinfeld content. Rochelle Rochelle. He makes the Home Alone VHS tape, Angels with Filthy Filthy Souls. Okay, I will dive into this later, but I gave them a follow. Sweet. Yeah, let me see if they have... Okay, they have Rochelle Rochelle, Sack Lunch. Um, Oh, they don't make Death Blow. I mean, geez, get on it. He really only makes two VHS tapes, so champagne video. Get on it. Superman is on the fridge and the bookcase, by the way, in Jerry's apartment. And Kramer asks for another ticket for his friend Brody while he's eating out of a carton of Healthy Choice vanilla ice cream. Like, very blatantly, too. Like, this is another, just like Clearly Canadian, like, the label is facing the camera and none of it is obscured whatsoever. It had to be more product placement. That's just my my theory. But also, did you recognize this brand? I think I'm going to write it down for homework because... um. I remember this is another one like the snack wells that obviously, you know, it, it was all green. Green makes people think it's good for you, but it was still like ice cream. So um, I, I didn't recognize this, but it, yeah, you're gonna, right. It, it was very brand forward. Yeah. But I'm going to look it up for next week and see whatever happened to, to Healthy Choice because I remember it in the grocery store. And it's one of those things that like you don't realize you hadn't seen it in a million years until you see it again. You're like, whoa. And George comes in and he tells Jerry about Elaine dancing at the party. He calls it a full body dry heave set to music. <laughs> <laughs> and Jerry had witnessed it before about five years ago. 
she started dancing to some street musicians. In this little flashback sequence, by the way, um, I love the uh, reaction of the street musicians kind of like, Going like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, well, Jerry... Is, is yeah. this a compliment to us? <laughs> yeah. I can't tell. Yeah, is she mocking us? Or is this... <laughs> but Jerry is wearing, like, a super puffy shirt. It It is almost as puffy as the original yeah. puffy shirt. Oh, my God. I took a uh, an elder millennial screenshot of it, which means I took a picture of it on my TV that I will tweet. Because uh, I was like, I have to share this with people who may not remember that Jerry, why did he have a problem with that other puppy shirt when he wears something like this? George borrowed his dad's 68 GTO that he bought during his separation. So he uh, wants to take a ride with Jerry a little bit later. Over Back over the Jay Peterman building, Elaine's on the phone with Jerry saying she's getting a weird vibe from the employees. Something definitely happened at the party. And in fact, we do see the employees mocking Elaine from outside of her office door. Uh, and mocking her dance. And Elaine blames George, though, <laughs> saying that George is like a virus that in- just infects everything. And he got into the bloodstream and Elaine let him in. And rather than confront the fact that what they what the vibe actually is, Jerry fakes his call waiting with a water bottle, with a little <laughs> click of a water bottle and uh, and hangs up on Elaine quickly before he has to tell her the real reason that people are treating her differently. Meanwhile, Anna comes into the office and calls the party a kick. She was like, oh, yeah, it was a kick. And gives a little chuckle. And Elaine warns her to stay away from George because he's a bad seed. He's the worst seed. He's a horrible seed. And then Anna's like, and you two are friends? Oh, yeah, good friends. (laughs) And we cut to Monks where George has now been contacted by Anna. Elaine made George the bad boy. And Anna digs the bad boy is what Jerry's hypothesis is. (laughs) And this ends in a very long... I thought this was a pretty funny device but george is like wow i've never been the bad boy and then jerry goes yeah you've been the bad employee the bad son the bad friend he's like yeah yeah but never the bad boy the bad citizen the bad credit risk and he just keeps going on and on until george has to just walk out the door on him ending with hey bad tipper when he sees what george (laughs) leaves on the table (laughs) this was was good it um it hit the the rule of threes perfectly and then the the bad tipper was the tenth one in the sequence. <laughs> um, w- but I think because it didn't keep going after that, it was it was good. It was just like the the hat on top of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. It was great that they kept coming in the same rhythmic succession that they kept coming in. And yeah, it was it was written well. We cut to the Guild Fiftieth Theater, which is. Or was a real theater at one point in Rockefeller Center. It opened in 1938 and it closed in 1999. But the mm. marquee is still there and it is now an anthropology, which is almost as disappointing as the Lululemon that moved into that beautiful bookstore that Brentano's uh, was in. Yeah, for the I'd, longest I'd, time. <laughs> I'd literally rather it be like a Domino's or something. <laughs> yeah, and Kramer and Jerry are there to see Death Blow and then Brody shows up. With a huge bag of, like, loose candy, it looked like. Yeah. How did he get this in? Because he's making no effort to conceal this, unlike the other thing he has concealed, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. Um, but, like, just out in the open, giant bag of candy. Yeah, and Jerry is like, oh, that's quite a feed bag you got there. And Brody takes offense at it and doesn't think it's funny at all. <laughs> yeah. And... The movie starts, and then Brody takes out a camcorder and starts bootlegging the movie. And Jerry, like, nudges Kramer. And I like that Kramer goes, oh, don't worry. He does it all the time. Like, that's not the issue with it. Yeah. Like, and honestly, it looks like Brody's got the camera pointed right at the guy's head in front of him. 
Yeah, the, no movie is bootlegged well at all in this whole. I have an issue with what they, the way they film bootlegs in this episode because <laughs> there's no way. Yeah, it's it's really really off. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to the Jay Peterman building where. Lin Manuel Miranda tells Elaine, "No, it's not Lin Manuel Miranda. It's just a guy that really looks like him. I think, <laughs> just Hispanic guy with goatee. All right, I'm sorry, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Tim, yeah. I, I would like to uh, deliver this news personally. You have been canceled. Oh no! Yes, I, I I hate to say it, but it's it's true. I'm sorry, Lin Manuel. Uh, that's one of my favorite. Um, what's his name? You know the guy from Oh Hello on Broadway and uh, John Mulaney. Uh, yeah. Yeah, where he doesn't know whether they call him Lynn or Manuel in that story. He's like, oh, excuse me, uh, Limoa. <laughs> so he like tries to say it really fast. <laughs> um, he, he tells Elaine that Anna is in the park meeting George in the park, and Elaine runs off uh, to go save her. And we cut back to the lobby of the Guild Theater where J- Jerry is yelling at Kramer about inviting a bootlegger to this special sneak preview that Jerry had to you know, work extra hard to even get three tickets to. And then they hear a huge <laughs> explosion from... Uh, you know, inside the theater, and Kramer goes, "Oh man, we're missing the death blow." <laughs> God, I love that in this movie. I don't know whether it is in the movie or whether Kramer just like misunderstands what. It, but he he always talks about the death blow as if it was a real thing. Like, oh, who got the? <laughs> Later on, he's like, "Who got the final death blow?" I thought it was going to be that one guy. Like, death blows just keep <laughs> happening in the movie. <laughs> It's called Death Blow because it's full of death blows. It must like be. It, it's the most on-the-nose name <laughs> for a movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it might as well be Death Race with Jason Statham. <laughs> it's like, almost oh, like who, people... Who won the Death Race? Or people in the movie, yeah, are like, I'm going to give you the Death Blow. Like, it is a thing. <laughs> like, Do you think that is a line that they would say <laughs> in this fictional movie? And, and then someone's like, oh, not the Death Blow. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I the Death so. Blow. <laughs> Oh, we gave him the death blow. I think it has to be. Uh, in the park, George is there meeting Anna, and he is acting like a hardcore bad boy in his <laughs> Yankees uh, jacket, leaning up against his dad, 68 GTO, and which Anna notices. Uh, is that your orthopedic back pillow in the car? He's like, maybe. She's like, well, is he? He's like, uh-huh, no. <laughs> and the, the, the line of like, do I scare you and and anna's like no and just george gives her a look and she's just like a little (laughs) well elaine pulls up in a cab and drags anna away making her even more attracted to george because (laughs) just totally misunderstanding why elaine doesn't want her talking to george in the first place um (laughs) and then back at the theater brody is getting stomach cramps because he ate that entire bag of candy and (laughs) Here's okay. Here's my first question about like filming. Not only was he filming the back of that dude's head, isn't all this talking ending up on the bootleg? Yes, yes it is. And Kramer, also, you got to take me to the the thing. And also, how is he eating the candy if he has to unwrap every piece of candy while he's holding the camcorder? Yeah, I was gonna say it looked like it was wrapped up to me as well. But then Jerry's like, "Well, maybe if he hadn't licked his fingers, we'd all been able to enjoy it." It's like. Well, you can't take a wrapper off that's been touched by someone who licked their fingers if you really wanted one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was very confusing that they gave him, like, just give him a bag full of, why did they give him a bag full of, like, wrapped loge- lozenges? Why did they give him a bag full of actual movie candy? <laughs> just looks so stupid. And he has to go. He wants Kramer to take him home. And so Jerry, he wants Jerry to finish the movie, and he gets him to do it by brandishing a firearm. 
So yeah, w- after like Kramer gets up with Brody because Kramer's taking him home, why didn't Jerry just shut the camera off once they leave? Since when is Jerry worried about consequences? Like this? <laughs> when will he ever see Brody again? That's true. Although it seems like Brody, you know, he definitely knows where Kramer lives, and I think that's why he shows up later on. And I think the firearm was definitely. You know, seeing a gun probably put fear into him. They're like, well, I guess I better do this or I might get murdered. I don't know. But, like, if you're, okay, if you're robbed on the side of the street, the guy holds a gun to your face and he says, okay, now I want you to do the chicken dance until I'm out of, like, eyesight, right? Yeah, yeah. How long do you keep doing the chicken dance? Right. Not not long. Do, do you do it until the police show up? Is anyone <laughs> going to call the police? Probably not because yeah. you're busy doing the chicken dance. I would say I I would say I would probably do it as long as I could uh, because that's the kind of person that I am a coward. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but a normal person I think would like as soon as the guy's running away, he's not going to turn around and go, "Hey, you you stop doing the chicken dance," and then run all the way back. He's trying to make a getaway <laughs> at that point. So like, wait a second. All right, now we got to start all over. Now I got to start all over. I got to come back. Stand there, and you yeah, have to I'm, keep doing the chicken I, dance. I, I, I got to give you your money back. We have to start all over. <laughs> Yes, the whole thing. I have to do it all again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. When, when has Jerry ever been concerned with something like this? He was in a car with literal Nazis who had guns, and he, he, he was, was, fine. He was And he was more scared now than he was then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. So that is a little weird. I don't know. Uh, up in Jerry's apartment, though, Jerry is yelling at Kramer about being forced to bootleg the movie at gunpoint. And kind of like Kramer's response, yeah, he's quite a character. <laughs> and and we, we do learn that Brody came by at 3 a.m. Yeah. to get the tape, oh, um, which I didn't even know that, like, oh, yeah, he probably knows where Kramer lives. And Kramer being Kramer said, oh, yeah, Jerry lives across the hall. That's yeah, probably how yeah. we found out where Jerry lives. Yeah, um, exactly. But, like, in the moment, I'm like, how does he know where Jerry lives? Yeah, that, that's my guess is that just he knows Kramer and then, yeah, either Kramer directed him or he was like, oh, Jerry, or, or on the way home was even like, oh, Jerry lives right across the hall from me. You can get the tape tonight. And uh, yeah, it, it's easy to find or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, not I, only yeah. that, but like Kramer, Kramer being Kramer, Brody buzzes up. Jerry obviously doesn't want to see him, but he, Kramer lets him in. He just goes, oh, it's Brody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I like he's like, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And he was like, don't Brody will understand. I love Jerry's quote here. People with guns don't understand. That's why they get guns. Too many misunderstandings. <laughs> this was good. That was really good. Yeah. And Brody comes in and he loves Jerry's work. He <laughs> thought it was inspired. And he gives him another assignment, an artsy film that he doesn't trust any of his other guys with called Cry, Cry Again. And Jerry does not want to do it. And in trying to get Kramer to talk, because Brody goes to uh, across to Kramer's apartment to make a phone call. And Jerry doesn't want to do it. But Kramer's like, you got a gig. This isn't your stand-up comedy. This is motion pictures. As if yeah. Jerry's going to be in a movie. <laughs> he says, uh, this isn't your little comedy act. <laughs> this is motion pictures. Like he's a part of Hollywood now. Like, no, he's bootlegging movies. <laughs> and then... Uh, as if to also intimidate Jerry, Brody comes back across the hall asking if he can borrow Kramer's baseball bat for whatever news he just got over the telephone. You have to <laughs> oh, wonder. yeah, because uh, Kramer's like, oh, do you need a glove? No. <laughs> yeah. Back up at Jay Peterman, uh, Lin-Manuel is reading a pitch about naked dancers, and the whole staff is cracking up because it's obviously making fun of Elaine. 
And Anna comes in wearing George's Yankee jacket. I love that Elaine's like, that looks a little big for you. It looks more like the jacket that belongs to a short, stocky, dim-witted, bald man. And then Anna goes, he's not stocky. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of my favorite, like, hack jokes as well. Anytime anyone's like, you know, you're you're stupid, you're ugly, you're a moron, you're dumb. It's like, hey, I am not ugly. You know, it's like everything else bad. (laughs) They just take issue with one thing. Um, And, of course, like, played... To even more comedy in the Great Simpsons quote, where like my Homer might be a communist and a porn star and a blah, but he is not a porn. Whatever that one is, you know what I mean. I, I screwed it up because <laughs> the last thing Grandpa says is not one of the first five things that he says, but he is not a porn star. So I, I like uh, that's one of my favorite kind of hack jokes uh, because she's insinuating that George is short and dim-witted and bald, but not stocky. Um, what would she call him then? Oh God, I don't know. Because if he's not stocky, he's he's more than stocky. I think. He's the definition of stocky. Yeah, yeah. Maybe husky. Maybe she would call him husky. (laughs) (laughs) Over at the Art Greenwich Theater, which was a twin cinema, two-screen theater at 97 Greenwich Avenue from at least the early 1940s to when it closed in June of 2000. Um, Yeah, good run for the, um, the theater. And it was demolished for an Equinox Fitness Club. And it's still there. The Equinox Gym is still there. Extreme Measures, by the way, is the other movie playing on the other screen. I'm going to write that down because I'm pretty sure that's a real movie. And you could kind of see, like, the, the top name of the, the people, the actors build was visible, but then the bottom wasn't. But because it was people like Winona, and then you could kind of see, like, a blurry <laughs> rider underneath. I'll just look up Extreme Measures and try to figure out uh, more about that movie because I'm curious for homework next week kramer is there he so jerry didn't want to do the video and so kramer is there doing it and he is cracking up and he is turning the camera literally to face the guy next to him and and talking and eating the whole time which as we've decided is ending up on the bootleg oh yeah and i mean we will hear that later on in this episode but like he even turns to the guy and says the french guy fell off his bike <laughs> Yeah, is Cry Cry Again, I don't think it was supposed to be a comedy. Nope. I guess that's what's funny about it is that Kramer's laughing about it and everyone's <laughs> trying to enjoy this sad indie art house flick. <laughs> uh, up in Jerry's apartment, there's no, Jerry's wa- they're watching the tape and Jer- there's no way he's giving it to Brody. And it's not even about bro- being scared of Brody. He's like, you know, you know what? I was uh, on whatever he says, 96th Street, and I heard a kid trying to buy bootlegs on the street. And he wanted them. He wanted one that was as good as Death Blow. So Jerry cares about the art now, not necessarily, you know, his, his health, you know, remaining alive or whatever. He's like, you know, because they they have a parent or guardian that won't let them see the excessive violence and the strong sexual content that you and I take for granted. <laughs> I like this little monologue because it because it, it, it's a bad thing, but he's you know talking about it like it's a good thing. Like yeah. I do it for the kids. <laughs> Um, and and you, then you hear on the bootleg Kramer going, oh, man, I sat in gum. <laughs> uh, Elaine comes in and talks about the party and how the vibe is still weird. But she start, she was like, oh, yeah, we were drinking and dancing. And she starts dancing. And Kramer, it's the first time he sees it. So he has a very visceral reaction to it. Ends up telling her, you stink. And Jerry is forced to admit that, yeah, Elaine's not a good dancer. And then he leaves to go do some laundry. And she spots on his counter brody's camcorder and she picks it up and kind of looks at it uh over back at jay peterman elaine apologizes with george and anna in the room apologizes to both of them for uh george is not in the room but he's on the phone uh and for keeping them apart and george is like elaine uh pick up the phone pick up the phone she calls george good he's like you're so good and decent you're a fine seed i'm sorry i called you a bad seed and uh 
it, it, George tries to tell her the angle, but Elaine still doesn't care. She, but at this point, Anna's just not interested in George anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Back over at the theater, which is presumably the Greenwich, the Art Greenwich, but it's the exact same lobby design as the interior of the Guild Theater. Oh no, they 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 show um, this is back at the Guild. Yeah, but why was he there? Because he's supposed to be taping Cry Cry again, but he's at the. Oh yeah, you're right. But it was playing at the Art Greenwich. Maybe it was also playing at the Guild, but I don't think so because the the posters at the Guild we see Death Blow is still there, yeah. and then I think the other one was like the Shipping News or something like that, and or Snow Falling on Seed or something weird like that. So I, I thought it was I was like they're definitely playing off. You know, this is supposed to be I think the same. They only had one lobby set. That's all, and they didn't change the poster. Yeah, yeah. If they had changed the poster, I would have been fine with it. But Jerry tells Brody that he needs three cameras and all the guy, all the camera operators need to be on headsets. And Jerry's being yeah. like a very funny, difficult director type. One on the floor and two in the balconies. Like, you're shooting a screen. You're not shooting moving targets. I get, I get that's me very overanalyzing the joke. But, but oh no, my that was my, yeah, that was my problem with it as well. I was like, what do you think you're doing? Like, you're not going to have to cut to another angle because there should be one <laughs> angle. Like, you could, if you had a tripod and you could hide a tripod, that would be the ideal way to record a bootleg. <laughs> you, the camera's not supposed to move. You're not supposed to zoom in on anything. Like, this isn't a pan and scan bootleg. Like, just, yeah, film <laughs> the whole screen. I remember uh, one time my buddy went to New York and he bought a bootleg of something. I feel like it was AI or something weird like that. Oh, and it was pretty funny trying to watch because A, you're, you're listening to audio playing out of speakers, recorded onto a, a low-quality VHS tape, and then mm -hmm. copied a billion times, and then played on low-quality television speakers again. It's like, it's not the way to watch a movie. I don't know why the movie industry <laughs> was ever really terrified of it because nowadays you like you know you can rip a screener and like boom there you go you got an hd quality uh yeah. bootleg. so it's oh definitely gotten yeah it's definitely a problem now but back in yeah. the day it's like Bo yeah if you saw a movie on bootleg you have not seen that movie the movie industry really took off when people could just rip the digital file oh yeah yeah <laughs> and you could you know go on a file sharing service and, and just download the whole thing the, the oh, actual God, dvd yeah. image and then just put it on yeah i i definitely didn't watch some of those early quarantine uh, $20 rentals for free. <laughs> I, I definitely did not do that. <laughs> so Jerry's being the difficult director type and, um, you know, saying, oh, I can't work like this. And he walks off the project. Uh, and we cut to Monks, where Jerry and George are both lamenting over their situations, how Anna doesn't like George anymore. And Jerry's got to do this uh, bootleg that he doesn't want to do. But when George hears that bootlegging is dangerous, well, he picks up Anna and <laughs> in the GTO and speeds through the streets, telling her how bad he is and how he could go to jail for uh, bootlegging movies, which is what he what he does. I'm a bootlegger. I'm a bootlegger, baby. <laughs> not only yeah. that, we, we get Anna saying, is this your fiber con? Ah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that George's dad left in the car that he just chucks out the window too <laughs> uh up in jerry's apartment uh, he finds out that george has been arrested meanwhile brody arrives for the tape and kramer's version they put it in uh you know to see what it looks like and it it's the end of cry cry again but then it cuts to elaine who videotaped herself dancing to see what she looked like and when brody comes up to get the tape he's like is this it all right and they try to cover for the ending saying i love jerry's line like yeah so it, it the end is really weird it cuts to a, a disturbing image of a, of a woman dancing and you know you you cry and then you see the dancer and you cry again <laughs> i love that, that cry cry again of course uh and we cut to the police station where anna is consoling a sobbing george uh who she's like you know you're just gonna get a ticket 
And he's like, why did the policeman have to yell at me? <laughs> this, this, by the way, I mean, uh, I have to point it out. This is George's white privilege. Why did the policeman oh have to yell God, at me? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> and Elaine picks up Anna, and Frank comes to pick up George, and Elaine and Frank face off about whose fault this was. And I love uh, Frank's line. My Georgie isn't clever enough to pull off a scheme like this. <laughs> and Elaine and Jer- uh, Frank end up fighting. And the bloopers of this are just some oh of those iconic God. Seinfeld Tim, bloopers. You've when seen I these? tell you, when I yeah. tell you that I was so surprised that this was the "you want a piece of me" episode, <laughs> I was so happy because yeah. I've seen these bloopers but had no like context of what episode it was and then i see like elaine come in i see frank come in and i i tell you like the pieces like started getting put together i'm like oh my god yes yeah yeah just and when you see the actual scene you're like i can't believe how hard they worked to get this little tiny <laughs> get that scene. line yeah yeah that's not half as funny as the bloopers you know I was like, man, the bloopers are so much funnier than what actually happens. <laughs> but like, you can you can still see uh, Jason Alexander cracking up behind yeah. uh, Jerry Stiller. Like he, his head is up and he's like holding his mouth like in the middle of <laughs> laughing. Yeah, and he kind of like you know face palms and puts his head down at a certain point to look you know <laughs> look uh, upset. But we know he's actually probably cracking up. <laughs> did we? Did. In talking about it, did we even say what he says for for the sake of, you know, us talking about the episode? About what Frank said? Yeah. Oh, I mentioned that he said, my Georgie isn't clever enough, but I know he's... Yeah. But then he also just goes, you want a piece of me? Yeah. I can't can't remember if we covered that line specifically or not. And what does Elaine say? Like, I could drop you like a bag of flour or something like that, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, And and we get a freeze frame as they're about to uh, fight. And out on the street, we get one last little scene, and Elaine and Jerry are walking, uh, talking about her fight with Frank. Uh, they pass a bootlegger who compliments Jerry's death blow once again. You shot death blow? That was <laughs> I beautiful. Love that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Elaine wants to see Cry Cry again. She's like, oh, Cry Cry again. I wanted to see that. <laughs> Jerry well, talks her out of it. Yeah. And she says, you know, work is okay, but she's still getting a vibe from people. As they're walking up into a building, you can see. People, everybody on the street start dancing because Elaine, I guess Elaine went analog viral. You know, she's now. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she's now on a VHS tape that people are passing around. Man. Yeah. So now the whole city has seen it and uh, and that's it. All right. What do we got for homework this week? Uh, I wrote down Healthy Choice, the Healthy Choice food line. Find out about that. And Extreme Measures. Um, wanted to learn about the other movie playing on the Twin Cinema with Cry Cry Again. And that is, that's uh, all the homework I wrote down. Okay. Uh, what do you like this week for cover art? Oh, boy. I, I'm thinking, like, it's got to be Elaine dancing, right? Yeah, I think it has to be, yeah. But at the party or on the VHS? I would say at the party. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, but I, I was way. thinking, I'm like, anything other than that is, yeah. it, it's a disservice to the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I dislike the synopsis so much. Yeah. Okay, well, we will see what we can do with that. So we had Kramer's friend forces Jerry to perform an illegal activity. I mean, it it does. And it's, I guess that is the It's not the A story, I don't think. I mean, I guess it is. I think it kind of is. Would you, would you call that the A story or would you call Elaine the A story? 
it all kind of intertwines because Elaine gets involved in the bootlegging thing at the end, and George's story. Yeah, maybe Elaine. Is, maybe Elaine's is the A story, but I feel like we spend so much more time on the bootlegging, mm-hmm. you know, than we than we do in the actual. Is that possible to spend more time but have it be the B story? It's possible. <laughs> yeah, I think um, because There's I really just like more intensity and more focus on on the story. You spend less time on. Yeah. Because Elaine's story affects her and George, and you got Jerry and Kramer on the other side with the bootlegger, and I mean, so what would we, would we change it to be just about Elaine? Like, Elaine throws a party that, I don't know if this is the wording we want to use, but Elaine throws a party that causes a weird vibe in her office? Um, I would probably even stop, like, Elaine throws a party for her office. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the what's the exciting, you know, what's the tease? Like, Elaine throws a party, Elaine throws an office party that... Um, goes awry yeah or or has you know like ripple effects like elaine's party the events at elaine's office party spill over well i don't want to say office again (laughs) um oh wait elaine's employees don't respect her after a party Ooh, that's not bad okay yeah do you want to keep kramer's friend forces jerry to perform an illegal activity i kind of do i know it makes it long but you know me i'll i'll that's that's uh you know, I'm I'm normally like stopping you from making a description too long, but it's been a while since we've had like a a good long one. I'll I'll let it slide this time. Which one is going first, Elaine or Kramer? Well, let's make Elaine first. I think that was okay. our big problem with yeah. Okay. So what what do we got then? I think it was. Now I don't remember. Like uh, Elaine's employees don't respect her after a party. Was that what I said? I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Elaine's employees don't respect her after a party. Semicolon. Kramer's friend forces Jerry to perform an illegal activity. Could we just, like, say Jerry and Kramer are forced to do an illegal activity? That That's editing a little bit out, right? Jerry and Kramer are forced to break the law, something like that? I guess, yeah. Oh, we can J- keep J- it long. I'm fine J- with that. Jer- Jer- Jerry and Kramer are forced to... Yeah, Jerry and Kramer are forced to break the law. Yeah. I don't think that's so bad. What what, what about Jerry's force to break the law? Kramer really doesn't have anything to do with it. He's not forced to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's let's do that. He he willingly does it. Yeah, he has (laughs) no problem with it. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Elaine's employees don't respect her after a party. Semicolon. Jerry is forced to break the law. Ah, I love it. There we go. So much better. Okay. Now let's get into Newman's mail sack. Okay, so I got a message from Kat on Instagram, and she said... Uh, I'm guessing this is in reply to us saying uh, what we thought Jerry's uh, per- Jer- Jerry Seinfeld demands perception on fans coming up to him in real life is. Mm-hmm. And she says, believe it or not, Jerry's actually nice to fans, despite his vibe being, I agree, not that. Uh, <laughs> she says, there's a Comedians in Cars episode, and I can't remember who he's with, but they express annoyance at people coming up to them. And Jerry essentially argues that it doesn't matter if it's the hundredth time that someone has approached you, because to them, it's a big deal. So you should be nice to them. Uh, She says, I wish I could remember the guest, but I I replied back. uh, She says, my brain wants me to think it was Larry David he was with, but I'm not so sure on that. So, Tim, I went to the Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee Wikipedia, and it says... I, I like this whole paragraph. In January 2017, it was announced that Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee would migrate from Crackle to Netflix, starting with the show's 10th season. <laughs> in January 2018, most of the show's previous episodes became available on Netflix. The episode with Jason Alexander in character as George Costanza was not included. Um, what? So I, so I replied back to her, number one, 
LOL, a crackle exclusive. And number two, why did they not <laughs> migrate the George episode? But I said, this is a rabbit hole that you've brought to my attention. She says, my friend says he thinks it was Zach Galifianakis, so maybe it's him. That's so weird, though. I wonder if it was because NBC has the rights to Seinfeld and Hulu wouldn't give it up. But at this point, I think I found out why. There's a clip of the George episode on YouTube, and the whole thing was an ad for the series itself on Crackle. It was a Super Bowl ad. Uh, Do you remember that? Wow, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, Uh, but... Uh, she says, uh, oh my god, the only no, way it could be yeah. worse, the only way it could be worse, talking about it being a Crackle exclusive, is if they moved it to Quibi. <laughs> um, I said, literally the only other Crackle exclusive I've ever heard of is Joe Dirt 2, Beautiful Loser. And then I replied That's back I a little say. bit later. So I just watched the Zach Galifianakis episode of that, and he doesn't say that exact quote about, it doesn't matter if it's the hundredth time someone has approached you. He doesn't say that exact quote, but it is something very similar to where Jerry is very open and forgiving to people recording him and taking photos of him, whereas Zach Galifianakis was very put off by it in the episode. And also, the ending of that Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee episode has Jerry on Between Two Ferns, which Uh. is probably the funniest thing I've watched in the last month. (laughs) I love Between Two Ferns. Oh, man. So that was my I, uh, foray into comedians and cars getting coffee, which I had never even attempted to watch. Uh, but I like it. it it's it's fun. Yeah. It's short, too. So I might I might check out more of it. Oh, I didn't realize that. How long is it? Anywhere from like 15 to 22 minutes an episode. Oh, dang. I never knew. Yeah. I thought they were like hours. No. Like an no, hour-long no. episode, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I've been wanting to check that out literally, yeah, forever, because every every comedian I like is on it. And it's, it's interesting that Zach Galifianakis is that way. I mean, I've you, you hear that about him, but he's got such a, you know, a funny, outgoing persona that... But then you also hear that, like, he's the guy who can't wait to get out of Hollywood and go back to his farm at the end of a day, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> with it being on so long for 11 seasons... There's plenty of canceled comedians that appear. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, do I want to watch Louis C.K. And-, and Jerry Seinfeld oh, wow. go out to dinner? <laughs> canceled comedians in cars getting coffee. <laughs> Can- <laughs> it worked comedi- so well. Comedians in cars getting canceled. <laughs> comedians in cars getting canceled. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's zip Newman's mail sack back up. Yeah. Zoop. That, was, that wasn't really a zipper, was it? That was... Uh, <laughs> What that was, was an that? actual zipper. Sounded like it. Zippers yeah. say zip. <laughs> um, okay, so, so next week, we've got Season 8, Episode 5, The Package. Original air date, October 17th, 1996. And if you're looking at TV Guy that night, you are going to see Kramer tries to scam the U.S. Postal Service to get a refund for Jerry's stereo. Oh, boy. That does sound like a good one. Um, did you like The Little Kicks? I loved it. Really? Yeah, I I thought I was, was watching so good. it and I was like I, I I got a lot of good laughs out of it, but I feel for some reason I was like these are good laughs, but I feel like they're very superficial laughs. You know, I'm like I don't know if I'm having you know a, a starred episode amount of a good time, but yeah, I didn't. It, it, I liked talking about it definitely. That brought it up in my mind a little bit. It score brought it score up a little bit, but, I, but like while I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this is a fine middle of the road sort of surface level Seinfeld episode. Like if you wanted to get somebody into Seinfeld, you could show them this and they'd get a pretty good <laughs> idea of, of everything. And but as far as like the like brilliant episodes, I was like, I wouldn't put it on on that list, even though okay. people okay. love the Elaine dance, you know. Yeah, so I, I was I, curious how you I read really, it. 
Yeah, I really liked it. I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah. Do you think it's top five material? I mean, since this is only episode four of the season, <laughs> yes. It's in the top five of the season right now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it lasts. It, I think it's definitely at least top ten. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! Bye.